Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 32nd episode. When it comes to the world of baseball and softball and the awards that you can win, whether it's the Silver Slugger Award, Most Valuable Player, the Cy Young Award, the Gold Glove Award, these awards are so hard to come by. And the people that achieve these awards have done incredible things within a season to achieve them. And today on my show, I have AJ Andrews, who's the first woman to win the Gold Glove Award in professional softball. And she's going to talk about her Gold Glove mindset, but you're going to hear a little bit more about how she prepares her mind and her body for elite competition. And what's really interesting about our conversation, she really dives deep about how she attacks practice, breaking down the process, how she deals with fear, and how she is so committed to train young women to get involved in softball at an early age. So I'm really excited for you to, to hear this conversation and to understand AJ a little bit more just as a person, but as an athlete and professional. But one thing that I took away from this conversation was that she has the it factor. And you'll know exactly what I mean when you have a chance to listen to this interview. So Again, can't wait for you to, to hear AJ and her thoughts, so let's go talk to AJ. Hey, AJ, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am really pumped to have you on my show and talk about just your journey from moving from the college ranks up to the professional ranks with regards to playing the sport of softball. Um, I can't wait to, to hear more about your journey and just your mindset of being a professional athlete. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Beautiful. Awesome. So I always start off my show with this with this question, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to say and how you're going to answer it, but what does mentally tough mean to you? Mentally tough to me, I would sum it up with being resilient. So when you're mentally tough, you don't allow failure to overcome you. You don't allow it to really just stop you from anything that you want to do. And I think being mentally tough means coming back time and time again as a softball player I think if I come up to bat and you can get me out one time, me being, being mentally tough is me coming back and saying, okay, you got me out once, but you have never gotten me out a second time. And if I come back and she gets me out a second time, it's like, all right, I give it to you. You got me two, but you're not going to get me three. You know what I mean? Just continuously being resilient, knowing that failure is a part of growth. And only, failure is only the opportunity to more intelligently begin again. And so being someone who's mentally tough, I believe, is taking every failure learning from that failure, and applying that to your success. And so without failure, you cannot truly be successful. And I think those that are mentally tough are extremely resilient, like harness their failure and use it to propel themselves forward. And so I think it's being mentally tough is, is something you have to continuously practice because I think any competitive athlete does not like to fail. Any competitive athlete wants to be the best they possibly can be. And so when we're not performing the way that we want to perform, it's it's very draining, and it is something that can really wear on us. And so it is just consistently being mentally tough, overcoming those thoughts that you're coming, because I believe that your mind lies to you. I think that your mind lies to you, and your body wants to do things that your mind tells you you can't, and you just have to keep going. And I think when you feel like you have overcome that one step, it only pushes you to try to overcome another. And I think that's how you grow to be mentally tough. Right? When I feel like I've done 10 reps, I don't know if I can do 11, but I push through that 11. Then the next time I go, it's like, all right, 
I don't know if I can do 12. I pushed through 12. So um, I think mentally toughness is being resilient. It is being that person that's always coming back, never backs down. And no matter how many times they fail, they're always looking for another way to grow and always looking to turn that failure into a success. I'll tell you what. One of the one of the coolest things about having my show is to actually is to ask that question and and hear different perspectives on mentally tough. And been doing this for almost two years. That was probably one of the coolest answers that I've heard about being mentally tough. So thank you for that. And it's awesome. And I, and I agree with you as far as failure and success. I mean, they go hand in hand. And when you think of success, like if you really look at the below of what's under success. It's a list of failures, and um, and I love your perspective on embracing failures so you can actually be successful. Yeah, thank you. I mean, definitely it took takes a while. Like I said, it's a learning process. I think confidence is something you have to work on, but once you get that confidence, you know what it felt like at one time. When you're ever doing your best, it's kind of like referring to how you felt in that moment. And um, going back and referring that and trying to bring out those emotions, that same feeling back and. So being mentally tough is continuously practicing being confident. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I've worked on, and I think that anyone can work on it. Just like we work on our craft as athletes, you have to work on being mentally tough and work on being confident. And once you continue to master that, I think that there are no limitations. I love it. You're preaching the gospel right there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about whether if you're going into practice or in competition, when you talk about when you think about your mindset, what what contributes to your mindset before going into a practice or, or competition? I think what contributes to my mindset is how much I've worked. Right, I'm the type of person that maybe even overworks. Like I am just extremely dedicated. I don't like feeling like someone was out working harder than me that day. And so, I mean, my dad told me when I was younger. I told him I want to get a scholarship to go play somewhere in college. You know what I mean? I want to play prof- I want to play college sports. And um, he told me in order for me to make it to that level, my dad's a big stats guy, you know, gave it only this percentage of people make it to college. And for you to be that person, you have to work harder than everybody else. So me working harder than everybody else, I felt as if when I was in college, it just came down to if I I was in bed, right, I would think that I went to school in Louisiana, LSU, right? So I was thinking that somebody on the East or the West Coast has two more hours than me. I need to get up and I need to go back to the field and hit a little bit more. And so when it comes down to what prepares me for a game, it's knowing that I've worked for it. It's knowing that I put in the hours, I put in the time, I know what I'm doing. I've practiced this day in and day out. Now all I got to do is go and apply it to the game. And so what I really get from being an athlete and how I feel like I'm prepared for the game is that I know that I put the work in. So it all really comes in before the game. It comes in days before the game, weeks before the game, hours before the game. Um, I think that it just comes down to me feeling like I'm prepared and that preparation that I feel like I put in, I just now go to the game, have fun, and apply it. 100%. I think not not only knowing the process, but trusting the process before you practice or, or compete. So I, I love it. Love it, love it. Well, one of the questions yeah. that I... One of the questions that I really want to, and I, I've been waiting uh, to ask you this because, you know, what you're doing for the sport of softball is is incredible, and and what you stand for for the for the game, and you know, you were the first woman to win the Golden Glove Award. How did you feel when you won this award? Honestly, when they had first told me that I was going to be one of the finalists to win the award, I really kind of didn't know what to think about it. I thought maybe it was just its own category, you know what I mean? Like they're going to make one for professional softball. Um, It was just going to be completely separate from what MLB guys get. 
And so when it came down to it, literally two nights before I guess they were going to announce who the winner was, was when I realized, oh, this is the real deal. Like, this is the real Rawlings Gold Glove, and I'm really going to be in the same category and be compared to the same big leaguers that have won this. And so when that came, it all kind of hit that moment because I realized that, wow, whoever wins this award will make history. Whoever wins this award will have inevitably broken a barrier that has always been there saying that softball is not what baseball is, right? Softball is easier than baseball. Softball is something you can compare to baseball. There's just no comparison. And so this would be one of those things bridging that gap and completely trying to close it and really enforcing the fact that softball is just as hard. It's a sport you have to have just as much dedication, just as much work as baseball is. And there are professional athletes, women, that play this sport that are just as good and put in just as much of the work as MLB guys. And so me thinking that, it all kind of just rushed to me. And I was so excited about it, but also nervous. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to win so bad, but I didn't want that to consume me because I was going to be happy for whoever won it because I knew that this was going to be a moment that was really just going to be barrier-breaking and historical. And so when they had called my name at the end of the year at the banquet, it was the end-of-year banquet, and they called my name. I kind of froze. You know, I mean, it was kind of, it was like time stopped in that moment. And I didn't really believe it was me. And I didn't, I, I really didn't move. You know what I mean? There were a couple seconds that went by before I even got up to go accept it. And so as soon as I got it, I was overwhelmed with emotion. I was really, it was intense because it was the fact that there may be however many women to win a gold glove, but I will always be the first. And not only will I always be the first, but I am now a voice. I am now a pioneer for this sport and how you can truly be whatever you want to be. Because at the end of the day, before 2016, nobody, it was never a softball player's goal to win a gold glove, right? I mean, there could be numerous baseball players from the age of six that say, well, I want to be a gold glover one day. And you're never going to hear a softball player saying that. But now you can. And so it's just, I mean, I think that's just powerful. And I think talking about it, it really just moves me. And the fact that I'm that person that was able to break that barrier and allow girls to have bigger dreams, it's so special. And so I don't know if I can really put into words how I feel other than I'm utterly excited and honored to be that person to try to grow this sport. Like you said, I, it's powerful and, and being a voice and, and being the face, I think, uh, the face of change and the face of softball right now. I think um, it's a beautiful thing, and and just being being the audience myself, just witnessing what you're doing, how you've gotten there, and what it stands for is incredible. And you know, when you think of other athletes within your sport, like Ginny Finch, you know, she was the very first person to really challenge that gender gap between you know softball and baseball you know is baseball harder is softball you know not as hard and here she is striking out guys like Barry Bonds and there's a lot of other professional baseball players that didn't even want to face her because they were afraid to, to be embarrassed so there's there's people like Ginny and also you that are just doing some great things for the sport yeah so thank you it's so awesome it's so exciting <laughs> so when you think of goals like what's next because you're you know, when you think about high school, you were player of the year and you had the most stolen bases in the state of Florida. You know, you go to LSU, you play in two World Series, you get drafted, you've, you won this Golden Glove Award. And you also, I think you had, you tied for the most uh, stolen bases, you know, in your professional career. So what's next? Like, what do you want to achieve? I want to play in the 2020 Olympics and win a gold medal. 
that is, I guess, kind of, I don't want to say far goal, but I mean, it's, I have at least two more years before that. But that is, that's really would be the pivotal moment for me. And that is something that I want. It is an extreme goal. And that is definitely something that is in the future. And I'm working every day for that and to be an Olympian and to bring home that gold medal to continue to grow softball onto another level on the biggest stage in sports. In the next coming year, you know, more recent goal, I would say would be to continue to be the best player that I can be, continue to make those plays, continue to be that role model for young girls and to contribute to the youth and to grow the sport and, and try to help anybody move up. Um, something that my grandmother used to say is, once you get to where you're going, don't forget to send the elevator back down to help somebody else come up. And that is so important to me. And so I really want, yeah, I just feel like it's important to give back. And I, I have a lot of girls that look up to me this past year. There's so many girls that DM me and told me that they did the school projects on me. Like those type of things really just touch my heart. And so right now, I guess in the, in the next couple months, my goal is to really grow softball in the Baton Rouge community there isn't a little league in Baton Rouge and that's where I'm living right now and you know I went to LSU and so there's no little league there and I feel like it is my duty and something that I would be really excited to do to grow a little league in Baton Rouge to grow that part and really try to grow softball in that area and have people able to play because I mean that's where I started you know I started playing little league and I feel like there's a lot of pressures we didn't get just thrown into travel ball because it's very competitive. And if you're just starting out a sport, you want to have fun. I think you should have fun first. And then that's when the passion grows. And that's when you want to be more competitive. You want harder competition. But if you're just starting out a sport and you're all of a sudden hit with these competitive, really good teams, it can be overwhelming. And it can be something that really deters players from wanting to play. So that's, that's a really big goal of mine um, in the next couple months. And then my season comes on and it comes around in May. And so I'm coming out ready for a bang. I know people know me as that person that, you know, slaps and makes those really good catches. So I'm coming out. I'm going to hit a couple home runs this year, though. I'm going to have a bunch of bombs this year. You guys just wait. <laughs> but I'm also going to be still doing all my awesome catches in the outfield. And so those are my those are my near goals. And then down the road in a couple of years, the 2020 Olympics for sure. I just hope my audience you know, has a chance to actually check you out on YouTube to see all that because it's, it's amazing. You're, you're just uh, Sometimes your, your body bends in ways that most bodies don't <laughs> when, you're catching, uh. when you're catching a ball. But, but, um, so I, you know, I encourage my, my listeners to, to check you out on social media as well, and we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. How, how happy are you that the Olympic Committee has reinstated softball? I'm so excited just because I don't feel like it should have ever been out. I feel like softball is a sport that is very, very large. There are so many young girls playing softball, so many all across the country. And so I think that this is going to enable girls to feel as if they can go beyond college. I think right now a lot of people think that college is that the last stop, right? Like I'm going to go play college and they don't have goals beyond that. And um, I'm hoping the Olympics can be an eye-opener that you can do more. You don't have to just settle for just being a college athlete. You can play professionally. You can play in the Olympics. And um, I just I think that it's something that enables people to have bigger dreams. It enables me to have bigger dreams, right? I didn't know that I would be able to play in the Olympics would be something that I could do. It's something I've always wanted to, but, I mean, it was kind of shut down once I took that out. And so for now, for my dream that I've always had to be rebooted, 
I'm so excited. I am preparing, honestly, for that every day and have we talk about mental toughness. I mean, that's kind of something that I'm really trying to prep myself for and to be mentally tough for because that is, I mean, that is intense. It's an intense atmosphere, atmosphere, and there are a lot of great athletes, a lot of great softball players trying to compete for that. So I'm just trying to be one of the one of those awesome athletes. <laughs> well, I support it 100%. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. You know, when you look back at your collegiate career, what have you learned about yourself from going from college to the professional level? I learned that everything happens for a reason. And I never thought about myself playing professionally in college up until my senior year when my coach told me that teams have been looking for me and are looking at me to play and if this was something that interests me. And honestly, I I knew that professional softball players did not make a lot of money. It just wasn't something you heard about. You know, it just wasn't popular. And so I never thought about it until she mentioned it to me. And so I said, okay, you know, something, um, I'll do it. I'll try it. And I think that when people, when I tell people about moving forward and I say everything happens for a reason, I believe that everything happens with the timing. It's supposed to happen. And that you never know who's watching you never know what can occur. And that is why you have to continue to work hard and continue to be that person that goes all out, no matter what. And I say that with the fact that my senior year, I was not an All-American at LSU. And that, to me, was a huge failure. Like, that was one of the last things I ever wanted to do at LSU. I just wanted to be an All-American, go out with a bang. And I didn't. And, you know, it was very – it was sad for me. And it felt like a failure. And so, but I, I kept working, right? I didn't give up. I went and played professionally, and I was determined to continue to be that athlete that everybody knew that worked harder than everybody else, made those diving catches that nobody else could make, and I wasn't going to let anything deter me from being that player. And then come to find out, you know what I mean? I never knew until I was told I was a finalist that the Rollins Gold Glove was even an option, right? And so I'm making all those plays without expecting a reward for it. Mm. And next thing you know, you know what I mean? I'm the wrong school glove winner. And so I believe that the biggest thing I've learned from college to professional is that you always have to stay the course, trust God's timing, and everything happens for a reason, right? I took that failure, what I felt like was a failure, and I kept pushing. It pushed me to continue to be better, right? I, I didn't make it my senior year, but I was going to be the best outfielder you guys ever saw <laughs> in professional softball. And you know what I mean? I didn't know what was going to happen with that. I just wanted I just wanted everybody else to know, oh, no, AJ, don't hit it to AJ. Like, I was going to be okay with people saying don't hit it to AJ. And it ended up with me winning a gold glove. And so I think that – I just think that that's the biggest thing I've learned. Everything happens for a reason. Trust God's timing and continue to work hard and good things will happen. Awesome. You know, when you talk about just, you know, listening to your, your thought process there – you know, and this is a lesson for, for all the athletes that are listening, is when you're focusing on the process, you're not focusing on an out, outcome goal or you're not motivated by, you know, some award. You're just, all you're doing is you're focusing on the process, enjoying the craft, that all the accolades and all the winning, that will come. And it's funny, when I work with baseball players, I, I truly, I, when I talk to them about what motivates them and, and the things that they need to focus, the right things to focus on, is not your batting average because your batting average, you can't control that, right? Focus on your craft. And, right. You know, and baseball is a crazy, and softball is is a crazy game where you can do everything perfect and still go zero and four. 
Yeah. You, know? you literally have four shots to the center fielder, but they're the hardest balls anyone's ever seen hit. But because those hit the center fielder, it's over for it. So, right. yeah, it's crazy. Exactly, 100%. Now, mentally, how different is it from playing college at the college level versus professional? And when I ask that question, like, is there more pressure? How's, how is it dealing with travel? I think that the difference with college professional is you're supposed to be professional when you're a professional athlete, right? There's no, there's no one's going to coddle you. No one's going to try to make you feel better. Um, and when you're in college, it's very much team-oriented, right? It's extremely – you're with those people for four years, however many years. You continuously to grow up with them. And you do a lot of team bonding, team – team-oriented sport, like, related activities to build that team chemistry in college, and you don't really do that professionally. It's kind of like you have to be really accountable for yourself, and you have to hold yourself to a new standard. No one's going to tell you, AJ, you're not doing this well. we got to work on it. You have to know, AJ, you're not doing this well, and you need to work on it, or, AJ, you're just not going to play. And that's just – I think that's the big difference between the two where you have to take everything you've learned from college and how you had to be – what you had to take from that to be a great college athlete and continuously apply it day in and day out professionally. And you can't slip up. And if you slip up professionally, no one's going to tell you you're slipping up. And if you don't get it together, you're going to be out of the lineup. You're just going to one day be out of the lineup. Mm. So you have to continue to work and to showcase that you are going to get better, you're going to be better. And I think that that would be the, the biggest difference between the two. Um, being a professional athlete, it's, it's, not, it's still a team sport, but it comes down to the fact that we are you're a professional athlete and we're going to treat you like a professional athlete. Therefore, you need to do what you have to do to be professional. And in order to play at this level, you have to rise to this level. And if you cannot do it on your own, someone else will take that spot. And so I think that as athletes, always knowing that there's always someone coming for your position. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how long you play that position. There is someone eyeing that down and is working to take it. And you have to work twice as hard to make sure you secure it. And I think a lot of times people talk about seniority, you know, in college. There isn't that in professional sports. There is, I mean, you know, you have your select players in different positions sometimes, but it's because they're good. It's because they deserve to be there. It's not because they're a senior. It's not because they were there for however long. And so if you're trying to take someone's position, you just have to continuously work hard and know that they're working to come take yours. So I think that's the biggest difference, knowing that you have to be accountable for yourself and that any day anything can change, so you have to keep working hard. There's no day where you can't, really can't take days off being a professional athlete. Well, just by watching you on social media, it seems like you're constantly training. Um, you're constantly breaking down the process, whether it's uh, you know your swing or the way you're catching balls. It just seems like you're you're constantly improving and making sure that no one ever takes your your spot. Yeah, that's definitely my goal. I tell you, I always I. It's almost like just a whisper. I think it's going to haunt me the rest of my life. What my dad told me when I was probably 12 years old, how there's always someone better and always someone working harder. And it just literally eats me alive when I'm hanging out or just laying down, knowing I didn't do anything that day to get up and go do something. 
because I don't want anyone to be better. I don't want anyone, I don't want to feel like anyone's working harder. And um, one of my favorite things to say is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, you know what I mean? I'm going to work, I'm going to be talented and I'm going to work hard. So no yeah. one's going to beat me. Totally. Because at the end of the day, it's it's important to work hard. It's kind of funny. I think our, our dads might might have been cut from the same cloth because, you know, playing yeah. <laughs> playing football for 13 years, playing, you know, I probably played quarterback. And, you know, my dad would always say that. He's like, you know, did, did you put 100%? And it could just be not even practice or in a game, just me just throwing the ball with my friends. And he'd always ask me, did you put everything into it today? I'm like, yeah. You know, someone's working harder than you. I'm like... All right, I gotta work harder. Know. You know, <laughs> it messes with your mind. It really breaks you down. It's like, dang, you know what? Did I throw as hard as I could today? Yeah. All right, you know what? I'm gonna go back and just do five more. Like, it really does. But I mean, it. I believe that that has made me into the player that I am today. My dad's words that he told me. I don't know if he realized that him make. He said to me one time, one time only when I was 12, and it stuck with me since then. <laughs> Well, for me, it just it made sure, and it just helped me in life because even even when I was done with sports, I was still I'm still a competitor. I still want to compete, and it just it's one of those things where just don't get lazy because someone else is gonna is working just as hard, you know. So, yeah. So I love always. it. Love it. Well, here's always replaceable. Always, always. This this is more of a question getting more into your mindset. This is more of like a warrior mindset question because I believe when we compete we kind of leave our civilian persona and mindset. We leave it, you know, outside the locker, outside of the field, because we turn into something. Not everybody does this, but there are a lot of athletes that I've worked with that they feel that they can't be that same person, you know, off the field, on the field, so they turn into something. So when you when you practice or when you compete, is there do you transform into something, or is is that even part of your picture? Honestly, I think it's really funny because I don't know if I transform into something, but I am locked in when I'm performing and I'm playing. And I think that I I have a, a resting B face, what people would say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, I look very unapproachable. I look – people – I don't know if people – people always tell me I just don't look nice. Like, I just look like someone that is just intense all the time when I'm playing. And then they meet me, and it's like, wow, you're not at all what I thought you'd be like. And so I, I have no idea I, I'm doing what I'm doing, but I guess I just – I'm very focused. I'm very all in when I play. I think I'm a very confident person in general, um, not just when I'm playing. I just – I feel maybe that's transformed from sports into my actual character and my personality. But, I mean, I just – I carry myself to a new standard because I believe that what you do in your day-to-day life comes into sports what you do with sports goes into your day-to-day life and so if i'm going to be a confident athlete i need to be a confident person just walking down the street if i'm you know what i mean i need to do the same things i would do outside of sports in sports to really maintain that and to be that type of a person and type of an athlete and so i think that i don't know if i really transform i just kind of i think i just toot it up a notch <laughs> it just goes up a notch a little bit but yeah it's still the same aj just a little more intense you know, my next question is about focus, and like you said, well, I've, I've watched a lot of film on you, whether if you're in the outfield, whether if you're about to steal a base, or you're in the batter's box, you have this supreme focus feel about you, like there's, like you said, like you're locked in, and and when I wanna, why I want to bring this up is because there's a 
to me, there's a famous catch where you're actually right by the, the home run wall. And most, most athletes might consider um, when they're catching a ball right by the fence a distraction. But it wasn't distraction. You were completely focused on that ball. You ended up catching it, knocking down the fence, and coming up with a catch. And where do you, where do you harness that focus? How, how have you gotten yourself to be that supremely focused? Wow, good question. I think that I don't know if I'm just naturally extremely competitive and that I just I don't like to lose. And I I I know what catch you're talking about and in that moment I just knew that this ball is going a long way and I'm gonna stop it from going as far as it possibly can go. And so I just think when I'm get focused it's like I make really quick goals I would say and so if the ball like say that bone ball where I cut on the fence all I was thinking was I'm not gonna let this be a home run I don't know if I'm gonna knock it in the park I don't know if I'm gonna tip it whatever it is but I'm not gonna let this just be a straight up home run I'm gonna touch this ball in some way or, or the other and then if I'm making a diving catch it's like AJ what it's like I'm talking myself as I'm going so it's like one more step one more step go and so it's kind of, I'm literally thinking to myself what I'm doing as I'm doing it, which I think is where the focus comes from, because I'm just, I don't, it doesn't matter what's around me, right? I'm thinking about my immediate goal. So yeah, there's a fence there, but that's not a part of my, that's not implemented in what I'm thinking about right now. So that fence was there and it was honestly just in my way. So what happened? It knocked over, it got knocked over, right? And if I'm going to make a diving catch, the ground, you know what I mean? It's I don't want to say it's in my way, but it's just it's, it's going to be a hard landing. It's okay, but I'm not thinking about that. A lot of people always tell me, doesn't it hurt when you make diving catches? I'm like, honestly, the next day, but because that wasn't in my immediate goal, that wasn't what I was focused on, I don't really feel it in that moment, to be honest. And so, I, you know, I mean, it hurts. I feel it tomorrow. I'll feel it tomorrow, but right now I don't feel anything. So, yeah, I would just, I would just say I think what keeps me so focused is the fact that I have I make a really quick goal and I stay on that goal. And so I don't care what's in my way, what is trying to stop me from making that goal. All I'm focused on is that goal, and either you can get out of the way or you can get knocked over. There's really two options. And so that's what really keeps me focused is the goals that I, that I make at that moment and trying to achieve them. Well, I love, I love your inner dialogue. That's, it's really, really important if you want to stay focused and you want to be mentally tough, you have to have your inner dialogue to be healthy, meaning that when you're talking to yourself or talking to yourself like what you were doing, it's really, really healthy. Because a lot of times when we're competing, especially when you make a mistake, a lot of times we start listening to ourselves. And that's where, that's where it's dangerous. I, don't, you know, I teach athletes all the time, don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself. And the more that you're talking yeah. to yourself, you're, con- you're in control. And, you know, there's one story, a quick little story. A baseball player, I don't know if he's still on the San Francisco Giants, but Denard Spann, every time he's on deck and right before he gets into the box, he always says, great players make great plays. Great players make great plays. And that's all he's thinking about because there's so many distractions going into that batter's box. So he's, he's talking to himself and telling himself what he needs to do to stay focused. So I love it that you do that. Thanks. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome. Great play. I might steal that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's very cool. Well, let's talk about your diving because you're known for just making incredible diving catches. And I was reading uh, a few articles about, I believe back in the day, there was a, you had a fear of, of diving. 
what what got you over that hump? What got you to be fearless when you uh, when you start diving and kept making these catches? When I was growing up, I never really had a fear of diving per se. Like I loved diving. I loved wet grass when I was younger. But what happened was I dove for a ball and I broke my hand. So I ended up. I it was in front of me. So I dove for it and I kind of landed on top and it just cracked um, some bones in my hand. And so after that. Catching balls was I. But I'm also the type of player that I don't want to just stop playing, right? So I continued to play even though I had a broken hand. That was the year I won the Gold Glove, and so um, catching balls was sometimes excruciating. And so I always kind of had like a, a doubt to dive at that moment. You know what I mean? I was like, gosh, like this is it. I don't know if I should dive. This is. I mean, it, like you said, I was listening to myself rather than telling myself, AJ, this is what you do. You do you can do make this catch in your sleep. You know what I mean? I was listening to myself, like, oh, are you sure? Like, your hand hurts. Maybe you shouldn't try for it. And so I think what got me off of that was when I made another – it was that same game where I cut on the fence, and I made another catch. It was at the wall, and it was a diving catch. And I I was running for the ball, and it was really a split moment of, AJ, if you don't dive, you're not going to catch this ball. Like, this is a shot. And it's kind of like you either make this play or you don't. And so I'm running, I'm running, and I just go. I just go for it. And when I came down, I caught it. There was no pain, right? I felt fine. I felt good. I made the catch. Everybody was excited. And I just saved a run. And so I think the fear kind of washed away once I got back to reality of AJ. This is what you do, right? It just I stopped listening to myself and started talking to myself yeah. again. And so getting, re- getting rid of fear, I think, comes from talking to yourself. I mean, you, I think you got to set this up with a great point of how you tell yourself the fear. I think fear is not real, right? Fear is made up. It is something that your brain is trying to tell you that you're afraid of, but it is completely made up. You have a choice whether to fear something or not. And while... Things can happen, right? I can fear being in pain or I, me making a catch may have hurt, but I made the choice to be scared of that pain or not. And so it really came down to the fact that I was working to not to tell myself you were going to make this catch and deciding I wasn't going to be scared. And after I did it, I realized there wasn't anything to be afraid of anymore, right? It's not going to hurt. And then now this is going to go on to more catches. Now that fear that I had is wiped away once I realized there is no reason to fear it. And so I think getting over fear is talking to yourself and then just trying it. Just try it one time, one time. And once you realize after that one time, nothing happened, your fear is irrational. It is not something. It is something made up that we created that we can also destroy. Then, oh, wow, I think people are just going to really realize their power and how they can do anything and how their fear has held them back from so much. I tell that to little girls that are afraid of the fence. I mean, you'll find a lot of players are afraid to make catches at the wall because they're scared of hitting the fence. And I would, one thing I do, it's kind of crazy, but I just tell them, like, just go run to the fence real quick. Right. Like, what? I'll say, run, run into the fence real quick. And like, AJ, no, seriously, do it. <laughs> and so they do it. And I'm like, so did that hurt? He's like, not really. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I promise that that's exactly what it's going to feel like when you make a catch against the fence. You know what I mean? Just just getting rid of that fear to where they can unleash that the that they have the potential to make those catches and they can do anything. And so yeah, I think just trying it, talking to yourself and getting that confidence from knowing that 
you're just destroying your fear. What you were afraid of, is there's no reason to be afraid of it. Yeah, I love talking about fear, and everything that you said was 100% accurate. It, we create it, and if we can create it, then we can we can delete it. And and I'm sure right. you've, you've heard of the the acronym uh, for fear, false evidence appearing real. And we're the ones that create this evidence. Nobody nobody makes you feel fearful except for you. And I actually love it that you have you know working with young athletes and, and kind of pushing, making them stretch. And, and going outside their comfort zone and run into that wall, see what it see what it feels like, because when I when I work with athletes and we're talking about fear, when they're ready to actually to remove fear, I tell them run at it, run straight at it, because if you don't, fear is just going to stick around and you're going to start having more thoughts and it's going to get bigger than you really need it to be. But if you just own your business and own your thoughts and own your body, run at it, just charge at fear, and then it just goes away, and now you know how to deal with fear. Exactly. Exactly. Big time. Well, a few questions here before we uh, we close up. Because you are the competitor that you are, and, and I'm very interested to hear you know, how you answer this. When I work with athletes, especially at the high school level, there's a lot of pressure, and there's different kinds of pressure with social media and getting a scholarship and you know making first team, whatever it is. There's just all these pressures. And more often than not, when I'm working with athletes, especially at the high school level, when I ask them, what is your relationship with pressure? Is it positive or negative? And probably 95% of them say it's negative. So how do we get younger kids to embrace pressure? And, and how do you deal with pressure? I think that one thing that I had to learn from being younger and being in pressure situations, you know what I mean, being up to bat with I don't know, we're down by one, there's two outs, and there's two runners on base. You know what I mean? That pressure is what we're putting on ourselves, right? And I think that realizing that no one moment is what's going to determine the game, right? While this may be the seventh inning and I'm up to bat, there was a multitude of things that happened in the other six innings that could have changed the game. They could have made us up by however many points to where I wouldn't be in this situation where I feel pressure. And so by knowing that pressure or maybe not knowing but believing that pressure is something that we are applying onto ourselves right I think that if we go up and think this is just like every at bat yeah there's two outs yeah there's runners on base if I don't get a hit that's going to be unfortunate but you know what I'm going to go up I'm going to do what I always do and I'm going to work hard to get a hit I'm going to have a great at bat and I'm going to do what I can to get on base and at the end of the day when you really transform that pressure into and you think of it as something that you are kind of applying onto yourself rather than something that everyone else is putting on you, I think it makes it easier to take off. Because when you say, Wow, I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself right now and it's like deep breath. You do this every day, go up to bat and you have a great at bat. There's nothing more you can do than have a great at bat. This one situation should not determine the game. While it would be great to be the hero in this moment, definitely who doesn't want to be the hero? My at bat is not what put this this game in the way that it is. And so I think that dealing with pressure, something for me, it was me realizing that I'm the one applying it. My coach isn't applying this pressure. My teammates aren't applying the pressure. Yeah, would they love for me to get hit? Everyone would love for me to get hit. But they would have loved for so-and-so to get a hit in the fifth inning, right? It's always just like those things where we are kind of applying it to ourselves. So 
I think by taking different things away and not being so focused on pleasing everyone else rather than having a great at-bat, or I mean, I'm speaking, I guess, sports-specific right now, but working on my craft, doing, you know, as an athlete, doing what you can to better yourself and better yourself in that position, that is what is going to help you to be a great player because that's going to help you deal with that pressure. So then when that situation comes up again, it's not going to feel like pressure, right? It's another pressure situation, but because you know how to take away the pressure that you felt in the one moment, it's not like it doesn't even exist when you come up again. And it's like you're excited. I'm excited to be up to bat with two outs and runners on base because I don't feel the pressure. This is exciting, right? right? I want to be, be the hero right now. You're not even thinking – when you take away the pressure, you don't think about the negative. You only think about the positive. You only think about, wow, if I get hit right here, we're going to win this game. <laughs> you know, you completely exclude the fact that, oh, wow, if I don't get a hit, we're not going to win the game. Like, you, when you take away the pressure that you've applied, you now only think about the positive. And so I think that trying to turn everything into a positive situation and ignoring the negative will take away that pressure and also realizing that you're applying it yourself will allow you to believe that you can take it away. So, yeah, I think focusing on the positives is definitely really important when trying to get rid of pressure situations. And um, I think that that's that's something that really reveals character for sure. And I think knowing that if you're you're above this, you're better than whatever you're putting yourself through, I think it's going to help people get through a lot of things, especially knowing that you work for this. This is what you work for. You work for these moments right here. You don't want to be up to bat when you're winning by 10 points, right? You want to be in this moment when the game is down to the nitty-gritty and you're up to bat. Like, this is what you live for as athletes. And so make it fun rather than making it something that you have to think about the negatives or mix pressure. Agreed. I, I think being in a pressure, you know, working with athletes is getting them to embrace that moment and realize that they've worked their asses off to to get into this moment, you know, and – and really yeah. tell themselves, I'm built for this. I'm built for it being the ninth inning. It's tied, and, the, and there's a runner on on third. I'm built for this. This is what I. This is what I'm. This is what I trained for. And, and I think sometimes you know athletes get lost um, in their fear and, and they get lost you know due to the pressure. So everything you're saying, man, like literally, I I love. It seems like you have a really good grasp of not only who you are but how to handle situations in a very stressful. Uh, situation so i i applaud you that's awesome thanks Deb, please don't think it came easy i'm when i tell <laughs> you i'm super competitive i'm literally that person that was i'm so hard on myself you know what i mean i feel like if i didn't make a catch i always think about what i could have done different but i think that i had to I, when i was younger i was so hard on myself that it was debilitating like i was just i was pissed off I felt like I could have done better. And then as I grew older, I had to really learn to turn that, right? So, I mean, if I didn't make a catch, I thought about what I didn't do to make that catch. Okay, AJ, next time you need to take two more steps further this way in order to make that catch. It just really, I transformed, like you said, about the pressure. I transformed from taking that pressure off myself from the negative to thinking about what I can do to make this a positive situation. And next time, and when this another ball comes this way and it's hit just like that, I know I'm going to need to take two more steps this way in order to make that catch. And so, um, yeah, it takes a lot of work. It takes time. It takes work. But that's just like our sport. No great athlete was a great athlete overnight. We all work to be that. And so the same thing comes from taking the pressure away, working on that. Same thing comes from working on being confident and working on your mental toughness.
Well, I, I love your mind, and I think, you know, with with kids working with you or you working with kids, I think they have so much to benefit. It seems like you you have a really good understanding of how to approach just the, all the dynamics and nuances that you deal with being a competitor and, you know, teaching that to young kids and even teaching it and, and being a role model for your, for your teammates um, is important too. But it really, I, I love listening to the way that you see certain things as far as being a competitor and an athlete. So that's awesome. Thank you. I want to change just a few more questions here before we, we wrap up, but I'm going to kind of switch directions and switch gears on you. Talk about a different mindset. And you were one of the chosen that um, chosen athletes that were a part of the ESPN body issue. And I can only imagine, which was an incredible spread there. And how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you from switch from being very confident in your uniform on the field and then you actually have to take pictures and you have to be fully vulnerable and naked? How, how was your mindset going through that process? Yeah, well, that's funny. Um, <laughs> I think that, gosh, my mindset really came down to the fact that I feel like I worked for this and I look good. I mean, not to really to my own horn, but at the end of the day, like, I I talk about it in the issue, but when I was younger, I didn't want to have big muscles, right? I mean, I'm a very sport-specific sport, meaning I use my right arm a lot more than my left, and my right arm is bigger than my left arm. I'm right-handed. And, you know, I mean, there's different things about myself. I think just anybody, we have, we didn't pick at certain things about our bodies that we just don't like. And that can really make someone very insecure. And I think boys and girls do it. It's not just women. And so when it comes down to me growing as a person, right, not just an athlete, I grew to realize that my muscles, we're going to help me to be the best athlete I can possibly be. I want to be the greatest. And when it comes down to it, I need to be strong. I need to be fit. I need to be healthy in order to do that. And so it really came down to knowing that what I'm producing when I work hard is just a byproduct of my hard work. And it's a product of what I'm doing to be the best. And I need, I want the biggest muscles I can have in order to be the best, the strongest legs I can have to be the best. And so when I'm doing the issue and it came down to, wow, this is something that I used to be ashamed of. And now I love it. And you know what I mean? This is what you guys are looking at. I mean, you know, hopefully you look at it as a work of art, but what you're looking at is um, a product of my hard work. It's a product of what I do every day to be the best athlete I can possibly be. And so it came down to obviously, you know, I mean, being naked is, is a lot different than going out and playing a sport. But I think that I just – I've grown into this very carefree mindset and while I'm, I'm very religious so you know I mean there are, and I have a lot of different things that I thought about you know as far as is this something that's gonna you know go against my faith or is this something that I just uh, is it's something that I want to do and when it came down to all the things that I've overcome like you said with mental toughness right just my mentality the way that I saw myself the way I saw myself as an athlete um this was this was a no-brainer, honestly, because I know for a fact that a lot of people are like, AJ, who talks about your muscles? Your muscles are beautiful. And it's like, well, kids in middle school are mean. Like, it really did happen. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. This is real. This was something that was I was very insecure about growing up. And even with some of my teammates, we still talk about it. Like, well, it may be a joke, but a lot of us still talk about, oh, this, my arms are bulky or this or that. And just to really showcase that no – 
Yeah, my right arm's a little bit bigger, but it still looks good. You know what I mean? I work really hard for this body that I have, and that I this is just this is just a product of it. And I'm softball hadn't been in the magazine for ten years, and so for me to be that first person to kind of bring it back, I was so excited for that. And I think that the confidence, how I talk about you know my confidence in my day to life, day to day life comes in being an athlete, and that being an athlete comes into my day-to-day life, this is one of those moments that applied. Me knowing what I do as an athlete and how that gives me confidence and how I can overcome certain things applied to this situation. It was like, AJ, like, you are a great athlete. You are a great advocate for softball and women's sport. You are a pioneer in this sport. You need to be in this magazine. You need to continue to grow. You need to continue to grow this sport, continue to show people that no matter, we're not, softball is not going away and that, we're beautiful, and there's no specific body type that a softball player is. And all those stigmas and all the different things that people put on softball can completely be washed away in one moment. And so I think that just the confidence of the person that I am as a, just as a person and as well as athletics, it just comes into play as, of the issue. And, I mean, it was, very, it was done very professionally, very tastefully, there wasn't a moment where I felt really uncomfortable. In the beginning, I was a little like, oh, okay, where's my robe? But, <laughs> right. I mean, after after a while, it was just really chill. I mean, I was there for, a, like, eight hours, you know what I mean? So I got comfortable being naked after a while. <laughs> it was really just, it was fine. It was really cool, though. You know, and I, I think ESPN does, uh, they do it very tastefully, uh, every issue. Yeah. And, and it was, from my perspective, it is a work of art. And it's really interesting when you look at all these different athletes, male and female. You, For me, at least, maybe because I am an athlete, you see the journey and you see the story in the body. And, and especially, you know, looking at yours and even like Asia Evans, who was, um, you know, she's a, on the, the women's Olympic bobsled team. And she was a part of the 2014 uh, issue. And she basically had the same feeling. She's like, you know, I was a little insecure because my muscles are big and people always, you know, talk about my muscles. But she goes, it was it was probably about maybe 10 minutes into the whole process where everybody made me feel really comfortable. And she goes, then I started to feel really comfortable about my body because I'm showing them my story. And I'm showing them yeah. like how this is liberating for me, but how this is this is a beautiful thing that we're doing. So so I, I, I can see how you were feeling, but I, I think it's just awesome that they do this show uh, or do this this magazine. I do too, because I don't think that it's I don't think it's really talked about enough how you know young girls are. I mean, with P and G, they have this whole new initiative of trying to keep her in the game, right? I mean, you have young girls that are trying to dropping out of sports at a younger, younger, younger ages because you want you're supposed to look a specific way or you don't want your muscles to get you big or this and that. And while not everybody has that mindset, a lot of people do. And I think that it's important to hear people's stories, how they overcame that, see their bodies and see, wow, she looks just like me. And, you know, I mean, kids look at it and they're like, oh, wow, look at her arms, look at her legs. You know, one looks at it in anything but a positive light. And so I think it's, it's a great opportunity to tell your story really make yourself feel confident, right? If you're someone that didn't really feel confident about your muscles and you see yourself looking bomb.com in the magazine, it's like, holy cow, like, no, I really do look good. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, it's self-reassuring, not only for you, but 
for anyone else. I mean, personally, I feel like it's most important for that person and for them to realize that they are beautiful and that their story is important and that other people are going to relate to it and want to hear it. 100%. I agree with you. So wrapping up here, my last question to you is, when you walk away from this game, what do you want to be known for? Oh, that's that's a, that is loaded. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I when I walk away from softball, I want to be known as that person that continuously worked to grow the sport. I want to be known as someone that you think of AJ Andrews, you think of softball. I want you to think about not just the fact that AJ Andrews was a great softball player, but that she grew this sport to a level no one thought it could grow to, that she introduced so many new girls. She was a role model for so many girls and made all these people want to play softball because of AJ. And that AJ Andrews was a representation of all things that people thought they couldn't do. Whatever you were told when you were a little girl that you couldn't do because you weren't a boy, I want you to look at AJ Andrews and say, well, AJ Andrews was the first one to win a gold glove. When you think that, oh, I'm not sure if I can make this catch, well, AJ Andrews makes those kind of catches all the time. So I think I'm going to try it. I want to be that person. Or, you know, you just say, wow, I want that person to do – I want to grow softball here. Like, well, this is what AJ Andrews did to grow softball. Like, I want to be that person that I can be that example to no matter what you want to do to affect this sport in a positive light, I can be that person you look to as as an example, as a role model for it. And so while, yes, I want to be known for being that awesome outfielder, that awesome player, softball player, but I want you to really think about me when you think about the fact that softball – is bigger and when you think that you when, a, when little girls think that they can be more and can feel empowered and feel like they can be the first in whatever they want to be the first in i hope they look to me to say well aj andrews did it now i'm gonna go be the first in whatever this is so yeah i just want i want barriers to be broken continuously and i hope that i'm remembered as one of the people that started it well i think you're you're doing it and i think you're going in the right direction so i think that's it's going to be a reality uh, from my perspective. So, Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Now, how can my, my listeners follow you on social media? Yeah, you guys can totally follow me on Instagram, AJ underscore Andrews underscore. I'm also on Twitter, and I think it's AJ Andrews 0609 or 2069, one of those. And then I'm going to be having a Facebook fan page pretty soon. So that's going to come out. And it's probably going to be under AJ Andrews. But, yeah, and then all of those. I'm also on YouTube. Um, you just type in my name, AJ Andrews, and you can follow my channel. I'm doing a lot of cool things with different athletes. And, yeah, it's exciting to see different things I do with softball as well as the fun activities I do. So I hope we all stay in touch. <laughs> I would love to do more. I want to thank you so much for – just sharing your story, your energy, your, you know, letting us kind of see the spirit of AJ Andrews, and it's just awesome to to kind of get in the front row seat and, and and listen to your story and and how you think. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.